Welcome to the journey of being alive. And I don't just mean welcome to this podcast. The journey that essentially all of us experience on a moment-to-moment basis is the journey of a civilization, which is almost like a different organism that's embedded inside of us. And it eats up our journey of being alive. I don't just mean that in the obvious ways that if you're embedded in the corporate world, you're participating in the journey of civilization. But universally, whether you're living on a sustainable permaculture farm or healing yourself in the mountains with tantric retreats or any other possible manifestation of life in the Western world, the journey of civilization has inhabited us absolutely from the inside and we can't materially escape it. The only journey that we're actually on is the journey of being alive. The journey of civilization is part of our journey of being alive because we are part of a civilization. But the absolute dominance of the journey of civilization over our experience is a tragedy that disconnects us from the journey that we're actually on. If that doesn't quite make sense yet, it will in the course of these podcast episodes. What we're addressing here is how do we reclaim our experience of the journey of being alive from the disembodiment into the journey of civilization And when we do inhabit the journey of being alive, how do we navigate it in a way that we don't either fall apart from the unexpected challenges and strangeness that that journey does hold when we inhabit it? Or, on the other hand, rigidifying ourselves into a safer structure that then loses our attunement to the ongoing flows and joys of life. How do we find a balance between those where we can navigate it with coherence and yet have the fullness of life infuse us? In this inaugural episode, I tackle presence, which I have this deep pregnancy about because I feel that there's this big block in our Western society that inhibits presence. And maybe counterintuitively, meditation, as we're able to practice it in the West, actually strengthens that inhibition in the long term. So I begin by talking about that. And then once we get a bit more of a grasp on what's going on there, I transition into addressing what the initiation processes into presence can be, which are synergistic with our lives as Westerners. Before we jump in, I want to provide some framing. This is a sliver, a knot in your existence and my existence that are coming together in this moment here. 
as you listen to these words. And they're a sliver and a knot of this bigger, huge thing that is life and that is your life. So feel it as this knot or this sliver or this coming together little piece that ties together all these other threads instead of a lecture-like absorbing of information from an external source. So without further ado, let's jump in to the nuances and possibilities of presence. course, the main tool that we use is meditation. And since I was 18 and I first discovered meditation in a monastery in Thailand, I've had quite some experience with it. But a few years ago, I started having some doubts, some nagging doubts about it. And they crystallized during a silent meditation retreat again in Thailand a few years ago. The head monk who was instructing us was British. And on day three, during the afternoon meditation slot when he would speak to us, it was the only moment when we heard a voice. On the third day, he started talking about his past during which he drank a lot and did drugs and was quite lost. And it was a very scary moment because it was very clear from the way that he was speaking about it and his tone that for him, the Buddhist lifestyle and the meditation that he'd spent decades on remained a purging and a self-punishment for the sins he'd committed. So he was replicating, propagating a Christian uh, internal structure. So he actually wasn't present at all in some important sense because there was no acceptance of himself and his past and what he'd been through and the civilization that he was embedded in. So it was a scary moment because it made me realize that meditation as a tool is foreign to Western civilization and actually is not a free-floating tool. It's embedded in a religious structure, Buddhism, which in the societies in which it exists has many, many, many other components besides meditation. And I don't just mean other tools. I mean the entire structure of the society and the religion. So, for example, something that on a visceral level maybe drives us home. In Thailand, most men at some point in their life uh, are monks for one week to three months usually. And there's a ritual by which they enter the monkhood the monks from the monastery come to their house and shave their head. Usually it's at their parents' house. And a friend carries them to the monastery. Their feet are not allowed to touch the ground. And their family comes with them. 
uh, their extended family and friends will be cheering them on as they're going to the monastery. And then the most important part for this story, when they get to the monastery, their family kneels before them and gives them the items that they'll need as a monk. Then they circle the monastery three times with their family and go inside. And I bring this up because the tool of meditation, which is then practiced on the inside, is carried out in synergy with the society and with the upbringing of the monks that have come in and with the religious structure that since a young child they've been inculcated into. Imagine if in the West, first of all, if most of us went to a silent meditation retreat at some point in our lives, and two, most importantly, if in that process, your family knelt before you and gave you the items you would need, and this whole ritual was manifested. And even that there were temples available close by that were integrated into the fabric of society. And finally, of course, there being masters then that you have regular conversations with uh, about your journey once you're in the monastery. So the reason I bring this story up is to really drive home that the way that meditation manifests originally is as part of this larger structure with all these other components. So now to return to our own society... Within Western society, there's very strong narrative structures. And I mean that on a deep level. I mean that in a almost religious sense. Narrative structures induced since birth with a very strong solidity inside of us. They're not little wispy things. They're actual forces that we can't wish away or think away that inevitably inform our experience and are shaping our experience. There are narrative structures which explicitly and directly inhibit presence. The thing that made me aware of this for the first time in a really visceral sense, because we do have concepts of this kind of thing, but the concepts are very different from the felt sense, was reading Proust, Marshall Proust, In Search of Lost Time, an incredibly huge book. I'm still reading it many years later. The genius of what Proust did, and I would say more than the genius, the spiritual act that Proust managed, is he spends sometimes 10 to 15 pages describing a two-second moment. And he describes, as it is, his internal experience of that moment. And the reason it's so profound is that he breaks through the narrative structures, which within him are inhibiting him from even being aware of his internal experience. He's managed to break through those and describe the internal experience as it is manifesting in those two seconds. And that was the first time I'd ever seen anyone or read anyone describing my actual internal experience as it is. To the extent that I'd never even fully realized 
that I had that internal experience. And the effect of this was to make me very present. And as I've read more Proust, that presence has increased. So there's a lot to unpack here and to talk about in more detail. First, I want to talk about a specific scene in Proust that I've actually read quite recently, which gave me a bit more clarity on what exactly was going on. And that's the scene in which his grandmother is in the process of dying. And the French society that he's embedded in, which, like Western society, is uh, across the world and today still, is systematically repressing the reality of experience and the reality of what's happening. So the grandmother's death is being spun and woven into these distorted narrative structures. But because it's such a visceral, real event, there's quite some struggle of these narratives to really do this. So there's quite a strong sense throughout this section of there being this narrative tunnel that everyone is inside that's, one could almost say, floating above real life, both real internal life, what's happening on the inside of everyone, as well as material world aspects of what is going on. So there's this narrative tunnel and then there's this reality around and something is happening in reality that's causing this narrative tunnel to, to flicker, to waver. And the contradiction between that narrative tunnel and what's actually happening becomes very vivid. And that distinction is so important to presence, that divide. Because in order to be present... For us as Western individuals, we have to break the narrative structure of our society inside of ourselves. We have to break the narrative structure, which is different from how in a Buddhist society one engages with presence. Because there one's society's narrative structures are in synergy with moving towards presence. And that's the context in which meditation exists and out of which we have extracted meditation and inserted it into our own society. But our relationship to presence is fundamentally different because to be more present, we have to break our society's narrative structures. So, adding nuance, and this is crucial, we have, as part of those narrative structures, a what I'll call a pointing towards-ness. So we're pointing towards something away from us, whether it's in the future or somewhere else in space. Heaven, of course, is the primary example of that. But it's the exact same structure in more subtle manifestations, being more productive or reaching a particular future state of happiness, the world reaching a particular state of harmony, whether it's with the climate crisis or social justice or people being more present, etc. You, you can imagine, I'm sure, whatever causes you're familiar with slotting into this structure perfectly. 
And this is true both on a collective level, as a world, there's some pointing towards a utopia, a better state. And on an individual level, the same thing is true. There's some pointing towards a different state from where we are in this exact moment right now that we are striving towards or that we've given up on. But even in the giving up, the structure of pointing towards is still there. Giving up does not mean we've become satisfied with our current state, <laughs> if you see what I mean by that difference. So presence enters into that same structure. Presence becomes a pointing towards state. That's not where we are right now. And that structure actually inhibits presence because presence is here. It's a flowing into more deeply what's here already in this exact moment and not a future state that we're getting to. So there's this huge vacuum of presence in a particular spot. I'll try to describe that spot. So hopefully you can viscerally sense what I'm talking about. So when we explicitly focus on presence, such as going to a silent meditation retreat or sitting down on our meditation pillow, we're present. There's no vacuum there. And in our daily lives, that particular flavor of presence also transfers. So if we're meditating every day or if we've just returned from a silent meditation retreat, the type of presence that we felt there is manifesting in our life. But the vacuum is of presence inside of our existence within our society as it is, without having materially withdrawn ourselves to increase our presence. And there's a deep self-denial that's happening there, <clears throat> which is deeply embedded in us as Western individuals and has been for a long time in our history. Heaven and the purging of our original sin being the main manifestation for many centuries, but it's continued into the present day in different forms. And it's a self-denial of the existence in a sense of meaning of our internal lives as they are and of the possibility for the fullness of existence or the fullness of anything really the the full manifestation of something to be possible within ourselves as we are there's a strong externalization on an individual level right in this pointing towards and on a civilizational level we love looking outside of ourselves to religions from different places to different groups to different possibilities to our own future to our own past but never to ourselves as we already are in this very moment and to reiterate it to make it very clear Meditation as a tool, as we are able to practice it, 
So not in the way that it exists in its original context of Buddhism in Buddhist societies, but in the ways that we are able to practice it, reinforces that. It reinforces that. And even if we withdraw completely from Western society, as it is to enter into contexts that are focused entirely on presence, such as the British monk that I witnessed during the silent meditation retreat I went to, even then we cannot escape the narrative structures inside of us. And in fact, we're actually reinforcing those narrative structures because we're running away from our lives as they are. We're running away from that vacuum where presence is impossible, but where presence actually exists. Now, it may seem like I'm pessimistic about the possibilities of presence for us as Westerners, but I'm actually optimistic. And the reason is that when we manage to break through the pointing towards and break through the narratives of presence, which are almost, without us realizing it, like straitjackets that are constraining us and infusing this obligatory energy into presence. When we break through of all of those, there's a release and an entering into that happens. And we can pursue presence in a way that's synergistic with the forces in us and around us that already exist. And it enables us to connect to the rich tradition of presence that already exists in Western society philosophers, artists, mystics throughout the ages have been explicitly, in fact, focused on presence and how, as Westerners, we can deepen our presence. A lot of them hidden in plain sight. A lot of them are very famous, but the spiritual aspect of what they've done and the narrative breaking that they've done remains hidden in plain sight. And it remains hidden not in the sense that we can find it if we just know what to look for. It remains hidden in a more profound sense that the frame on reality that we have and these narrative structures I've been speaking about inhibit us from being able to participate with this tradition, even if we're looking for it explicitly. Which is why I'm so optimistic that when we break these narrative structures, suddenly there's this vast treasure trove of spiritual work within the Western context, which synergizes with us as we fully are right now and with the civilization that we've been embedded in and that's so deeply shaped us from our birth. There's this rich tradition that synergizes with all that, that suddenly we now have a, an intimate access to that we didn't before. Ah, okay, deep breath. We're at an important point now. The lived reality of what I've told you is incompatible with the narrative structures that dominate our society and our internal lives. So the absorption of what I've told you happens within those structures. It gets absorbed as a cognitive model and perhaps even as a felt sense. But that's not enough. Because in the moment-to-moment -moment 
real existence that we're living, the forces of those narrative structures are constantly massively penetrating us. They're constantly active. So even if now for a moment and maybe even for a bit of a longer period of time, you have a visceral sense of what I'm saying, it'll fade. And perhaps it hasn't even penetrated deeper than the cognitive model level, which is not really the level at which I'm speaking at all. And whichever of those has happened, that's fine. This podcast format cannot really viscerally penetrate too much deeper than the cognitive level in a sustainable form. What I'm doing here is not giving you an idea to change your mind. I'm inviting you into a different structure. And I mean a structure in the deep and full sense in which I've been talking about it. The foundations of our existence on a moment-to-moment basis. And this different structure is one in which presence and the deepening of our presence is synergistic with our existence as it is and with our lives as they are. Now, when we're dealing with a transition in structure at such a deep level, things become difficult and honestly quite strange. I've been exploring quite deeply for a few years now this transition between structures. And because everything we do exists for us within the structure we're already in, in order to transition, we have to do some rather strange and indirect things. Because any direct attempt to do it will be reabsorbed into the existing structure. Unlike a Buddhist society, we don't have a centralizing structure into which everything gets absorbed and that we can then follow. So it's a bit of a jungle, really, that we have to navigate, both within ourselves and in terms of the possibilities available uh, guidance-wise. Personally, after my years of exploration of that transition and of the guidance landscape for enabling that transition, it was mostly things that happened outside of that guidance landscape that happened sometimes by coincidence or sometimes as a side effect of something I was doing for another purpose through which my transition into this structure where presence has become synergistic with my life as it is, has happened. It was only because I'd been exploring this transition into presence for a while and because I'd already managed to connect to the spiritual tradition within Western society for becoming more present that I was able to tune in to what was happening in these moments and really deepen the process that had begun happening accidentally. Now, here's the crazy thing. It felt like I'd gone through an initiation process into presence. An initiation process, which is a very important part of a fully flourished and rich adulthood as a human being. Although it did feel strange relative to the initiation processes and rituals of the society I'm embedded in, 
It also felt so natural on a deeper level. And it's hard to communicate in words the the difference. But I feel now like I'm participating in life and in my humanity and somehow in the, the essence of existence and in my civilization. Automatically, you may assume that these feelings of participation came because something changed in my life in a tangible way. And that's the pointing towards. But let me give you an example of one of the things so that you can see how actually it was because something changed in the foundations of how I related to life and existence and myself and the world around me rather than because something tangibly changed, which brought me to some other state that was being pointed towards. So uh, out of curiosity, I began asking some questions about my family's history, not in a theoretical sense, but in the sense of how did my parents actually live as children within the, their family? What were their emotions like, their relationship to their parents? What were the lives of my aunts and uncles like? How did they all relate to things that were happening at that time where they were living and in the world? And how did my ancestors before that live and relate to what was happening in the world? And that curiosity morphed into a more intentional and directed initiation process when I noticed that something profound was happening to my presence. By the end of this process, two huge things had changed in my relationship to presence. The first is that this feeling, which without realizing it, we're constantly pointing towards external forces had become re-internalized. And the feeling is something like the mythical and the historical, which we're constantly projecting outwards into the flow of history, into politics, into stories, movies, books, our imagination, our dreams even maybe. And what happened is that as I sensed deeper into my continuities with my family, the ways that the forces within them and their personality traits had perpetuated in me, as well as the breaks, the way that my personality and the circumstances of my life and of the age I live in had caused breaks with my family, I began feeling that sense for the mythical and the historical inside of my own life in a local way. This wasn't merely a change in perspective. It was becoming more present to the reality of my existence. The mythical and the historical actually exist inside of our own lives. That's where the, the actual forces, the feeling of those exist. The flows of history exist in their real manifestation inside of us, coming up from our own history in a real, almost physical sense. 
and having this projection outwards is a cognitive illusion. Most importantly is that I became present to this mythical and historical feeling inside of my life where it exists naturally. Merely because we're human beings, that feeling already exists. We don't have to pursue it. The second change that happened in my presence is related to this first one and may shed some light as well on the deeper nature of this first one. My relationship to my goals and my strivings changed. They went from feeling almost mechanical in some way, like there had to be some fixing or optimizing or healing or some kind of ideal state that I was pointing towards. It went from that feeling to feeling organic and emergent. So instead of there being this ideal state that I was almost as a machine pushing myself towards, my goals and strivings became internal to my experience as it is right now, emergent from this mythical and historical feeling and existence inside of me. It's not that my goals and strivings changed. They stayed the same. What changed is that I was now present to them as they existed inside of me in the present moment. They felt organic, emergent, internal, here in the moment rather than some kind of striving feeling. They felt like the way when you meditate a lot and you feel a sensitivity to the wind maybe and you feel the, the intrinsic joy and reality and, and organicism of your breath is that same feeling but then with your goals and your strivings. So it actually did a lot to dissolve the barrier between our, ourselves and nature which is another part of the narrative structure inhibiting presence. Because we are nature as well. So there is no separate thing outside of us and outside of civilization that is nature in some existential sense. It's different ecosystems, but it's the same thing as us. And our own goals and strivings including the ones that feel so distant somehow from the way that nature exists, are actually also organic realities. There's something strange about this process I went through with my family, and maybe you're feeling it intuitively. We're used to engaging with our family in transformative processes, either for healing or for improving our relationship with our family. There's plenty of processes for those, but never for presence. And that points to something more profound. In Western society, presence is segregated and marginalized from the bulk of our lives and our experience. And when we only use meditation and silent meditation retreats, 
were perpetuating that segregation and marginalization. We're perpetuating it in ourselves. We're taking the marginal aspect of our experience in which we're able to deepen our presence and we're centralizing that. And as a result, we actually flip the dynamic and we segregate and marginalize the rest of our experience. And it's no coincidence that most of the gurus in the West who promote meditation were suffering from some form of anxiety or depression or internal pain or a desire to escape their lives and their experience as it was when they deepened into meditation. Because using meditation in a Western context, without a deeper structure, some scaffolding around it, a more active engagement with these narrative structures, what it does is it segregates and marginalizes the bulk of your experience so that as you become more present to this marginal aspect of your experience, you actually become less aware and less present and less sensitized to the bulk of your experience, which has now been segregated and marginalized away. The dangerous thing is that it doesn't feel that way. You are becoming more present. You feel that. You don't feel that you're segregating and marginalizing the bulk of your experience in the process. And within this bulk of our experience, we don't have any initiation rituals into presence. It's crazy. It's so deeply repressed. I've spoken of family and a little bit of nature, but there's so many other areas in how we relate to different aspects of our experience where there's a heavy repression of the possibility for presence and where an active initiation process is necessary to open into a different structure of relating to that aspect of our experience so we can really be present with it in a thick way, in a deep way. I've already touched on some of them. Our relationship to our family, to our past, to history itself, to the mythical force, to nature, the nature outside of us, the nature inside of us. And there's many more. Our relationship to art, to each other, both as relationships and in the moment-to-moment -moment interactions we have. Our relationship to our tools, to our technologies, to how we use tools, to our ability to use tools, to our job, to the skill embedded in our job, to our ability to learn skills, to our ability to learn, to knowledge itself, to our identities, to our senses, to our bodies, to our minds. In all of these relationships we have with different aspects of our experience, although we do have transformative processes for other purposes, we don't have initiation rituals for presence. And so our relationship to all these things remains trapped in the narrative structures which are severely inhibiting presence. <laughs> all right, well, 
Lots and lots of words and ideas there. Just keep in mind throughout it all that these are all words pointing to experience. So don't get too caught up in understanding in a cognitive way everything I'm saying. Focus really on the feelings and the experiences and flows inside of you both now and as you go through life, noticing little aspects now of what I've been saying, manifesting. That's what's really important. So now let's tackle directly the vacuum of presence. And remember, I'm inviting you into the vacuum of presence. I'm not trying to change your mind. So it's a very real thing happening within life right now, not a thing floating in the idea space. First, I want to somehow communicate what it's like to be inside of that vacuum, filled with presence. And the only way I can think of to try to do that is imagine that all the ideas and felt senses you have of of the, the, the wholeness or fullness of life that's possible. And I don't mean that in in a in a in a mechanical way, but actually in in movies you watch in like this warm fuzzy remembrance of childhood maybe, or like the sense of magic, some sense of of magical existence, and maybe you have to or something in your dreams. Maybe you have to dig a bit as well to find that sense. Uh, or it could be in, in the world's ongoings. It could be in many places and spread everywhere outside of your life as it is. It could be fragments everywhere. Imagine that just in your life right now as it is, like all those feelings just existing here. Not literally as in that it feels like there's elves running around and magical spells and and. Just, you feel like a child again, literally, but the, the feeling that's being contained in all of those images and external things that the raw, raw core feeling inside of that, imagine that just here and every day feels like a year in terms of how thick it is with things happening, not things happening in a, oh, there's just more stuff happening, but things happening in a interconnected, existing way. It's so hard to describe, but it's like a, a, a thickness, a fullness, a, 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 such a deeper awareness of all the little pieces of things happening that are all here. So all the attention that's usually constantly compulsively externally projected and all the desires that without even realizing it you're just flowing out of yourself outside into other things and all the possibilities of just existing that you're constantly without realizing it just massively and violently repressing just opens and it's all just there here all just thickly just all together ah my words are failing me because it's such an experiential thing and we don't have good language for it really because it's so marginal 
to our Western experience. Poetry is really the only language that gets at it in a in a in a real way. It's almost uh, painful to consider the real possibility that all of this can exist in our lives as it is and in our civilization as it is, that we can access it without transforming ourselves in some profound way or withdrawing in some intense way or reaching some elite status and some, some otherworldly aspect of existence that's not our lives because it's so ingrained that that's separate. But it's not separate. That separation is an illusion of the narrative structures that we're in and inhibits us becoming present because it shields us from the real location of presence, which is in our experience as it is and in our relations to all the aspects of that experience, not in a withdrawal from all of that. So now we return to my invitation into a structure where presence becomes synergistic with our lives as they are. And it's hard for me to do because I would like to say there is a guidance structure that's established which will help you get through this. One that I found which I can recommend to you. But there isn't. I found bits and pieces that were useful along the way but all of them were highly incomplete on their own. And what really was the initiation process for me in shifting my relations in all those different areas of my experience I described before came quite far outside of any existing guidance that I could find. It happened often coincidentally as side effects of other things I was doing. And it was only when I fully went inside of it and acknowledged it as an initiation into presence, when I elevated it as that, that I could internally feel the fullness of what was happening and allow it to happen. So it was a very unique set of circumstances that enabled that. Because of everything I've talked about, and because presence forms such a deep foundation, such a full basis that infuses all of life, so richly and because of this lack of guidance to initiate one into this presence for us as Westerners, I've spent more than a year creating and refining a more general initiation process based on my own that works for other people. And it's my honor and pleasure to invite you to join the initiation process directly and actively tackles the aspects of our experience in which presence is inhibited. And it's more than that. When we become more present in the full context of our experience, we also discover the primal force, which is the force of life, the deep and ancient force of life that's already active in the side of us and which is already flowing through distorted and twisted channels, driving our behaviors and our actions, flowing into the structures that push us forward in life. But just like presence, the feeling of that primal force 
and the release of that primal force into the fullness of our experience is repressed by the narrative structures that dominate our society. So once more, I invite you to join me on this initiation process into a fundamentally different structure of existence, which is synergistic with presence and with the primal force within the context of our lives as they are, within the reality of the here and now, which is the only place in which presence and the primal force really exist. And through it to be able to taste the full fruits, the full expansiveness of adulthood.